0: This is the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks. The music that you're listening to now isn't our usual introductory jingle, because today we're going to be talking about how music can drive climate action. And the track now playing is by Elo D. or Dilo, a music producer and DJ from the island of Reunion. Dilo is part of a group called DJs for Climate Action. Music was once called a melodic form of guerrilla warfare and has been used throughout history to push for change. There are loads of examples. Bob Marley's Get Up, Stand Up spoke out against the extreme poverty the Jamaican king of reggae witnessed while he was in Haiti. Nina Simone wailed for the civil rights movement in the 1960s and John Lennon's Give Peace a Chance rallied against the Vietnam War. Chuck D from Public Enemy famously said that rap is the CNN of the streets of black America and his music has protested against systemic racism in the US for four decades. Fast forward to 2019 and the words of teen activist Greta Thunberg, featured in a song by British pop band The 1975 that called for climate action. But can the boom boom beats of electronic dance music have impact too? And if so, what sort? In 2011, a group of DJs united under the name DJs for Climate Action to remix the messaging in the fight against climate change. And I'm joined today by two people who are part of that movement, D'Lo and Robin Perkins. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So I'm really excited. Um, to have you both on to talk about how can electronic dance music or dance music drive climate action. My first question is for you, Robin Perkins. I want to ask you, what inspired you to join DJs for Climate Action? I'm originally
1: from the UK, and I I worked for Greenpeace uh, for eight years. It was kind of my first job and only job after leaving university, and so I'd been involved in environmental activism for a long time and at the same time i was also uh, starting to produce music and at some point in those eight years the kind of the two worlds collided if you like and i was like why are these two separate how can i put them together um, you know this idea of, of music as a tool to drive change was something that i thought a lot about uh, and so i think it was about 3 years ago now i started you know looking for other people in in a similar Uh, kind of seen a similar world who were uniting music and change and specifically around climate and i came across djs for climate action uh, and i had a mutual friend who knew somebody from them which was sammy the founder he put us in touch uh, and i reached out and then i became uh, an organizer a member of the small team behind djs for climate action um so djs for climate action was set up in 2011 by sammy bananas in New York, he's a DJ from New York, um, and basically behind this this idea of how can DJs use their platform and their power and their influence uh, to drive change, and also to change to change their own habits. You know, what can DJs do to reduce their own impact? Um, so yeah, the, the key goal of the group is to influence uh, and and engage our communities, electronic music communities, and fans and DJs to use their position to drive change on climate and to help promote climate solutions. Um, so we use you know different tools such as events. We have a, a yearly series of events called Earth Night uh, around using original music, the release of compilations and uh, thematic compilations around climate and music, but also you know, campaigns to, to raise awareness about the issue and to engage club goers, music fans and DJs in the climate issue because often people don't know how to get involved.
0: Okay, you mentioned there some of the the tools that um, DJs for Climate Action gives DJs um, to inspire their audience to take climate action. Tell us a bit about how that works.
1: I think that everybody comes to is, how can I reduce my own footprint? That's often what the first question that DJs have, you know, around like, what can I do personally? Uh, And the approach that we're kind of getting to now is, yes, on the one hand, it's important for DJs to become greener, to fly less, uh, to travel more sustainably, to have green riders. So on the one hand, you know, we're kind of giving tools and advice for, for DJs to reduce their own impact. Um, but then I think there's a secondary goal, which is actually really interesting, is the kind of cultural influence that DJs can have, the platform that they have to, to, to drive change and to try and push an alternative model, if you like. And I think for us, you know, that's a lot about how can I rethink the way I... I tour, how can I rethink the way I, I approach these issues? So, you know, flying less, staying longer in places, connecting with the community, um, supporting your local scenes, so playing locally instead of flying uh, globally and, and using your platform to engage your audiences to, to talk about these issues. And, to, you know, DJs have a big influence with audiences that traditional NGOs don't reach often, you know, like Greenpeace. Greenpeace is good at speaking to people who are already converted. Often, and DJs actually reach beyond that.
0: That's a really good point. I think uh, NGOs like Greenpeace, WWF, sometimes look, at en- look in envy at the sort of clout that musicians such as yourselves or, or DJs have in reaching particularly young audiences, right? Um, now, Elodie Cézanne, Um thank you so much for joining us. First question I'd like to ask you is um, what inspired you to incorporate um, climate themes into your music
2: well I've always been like touched by you know like music with nature sounds in it since I was a kid so <clears throat> for me it was really like part of uh, creating an ambience and, and it would allow me like when I would be in in big cities without nature in, in the gray sky (laughs) to just travel in my mind to be somewhere I wanted to, to be, you know, like next to a waterfall or next to the, to the, to the sea, whatever really. And, and I think, um, having those elements in music can really allow people to dream differently and, and and to travel in their minds in, in a different way as, as well. You know, sometimes you cannot move. And just with the sound, you, you can like, you can go anywhere.
0: Réunion Island, right, is in the uh, Indian Ocean. And correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, is quite heavily impacted by uh, climate change. Um, so, so how are you in, able to incorporate climate change and the reality that's unfolding uh, in Réunion, in, into your music?
2: In the things I try to do, I try to give like, the sensitivity to be aware and listen to what we have and what we must protect. And I also try to combine like modern music with all those things that are important. Like, for instance, in my life set, I have this text in Creole, with nature sounds as well it's it's a a simple thing but it makes people really like think about what they do in this text so you have like bouncy electronic music you know (laughs) and in this text like you have this sample of a voice on top saying this poetry about how you know we've used too much sunscreen and the fishes and the corals the reef doesn't like that at all and and now the new trends are to, you know, have a car, everyone has a car and then that's it. We have a beautiful island, but <laughs> to do five kilometers, we have to do one hour, <laughs> one hour drive, you know, <laughs> it's like Paris, but in the Indian Ocean.
0: Dealer, I want to ask you, this is pretty much the central question for the whole podcast, I guess, that, that interested me at least as a, as a former clubber, as a former raver and fan of electronic dance music is, you know, how receptive people who are dancing to messages about climate change. Now, I'm a bit sceptical about this. You know, isn't dance music about escape?
2: I've noticed that a lot of um, the audience of of dance music are also going to super cool festivals and that it is not, uh, how do you say, incompatible, as in... (laughs) Incompatible. I've seen a lot of... Yeah, yeah, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I've seen a lot of... uh, um festivals like super cool things you know like during day you, you do yoga and then you you learn some some i don't know some shamanic drums and then you learn how to cook with what you have locally and then the night is like big electronic dance music so i've seen a lot of festivals like that and um a lot of uh new festivals as well and that can like you know that have really a thematic of of um of having ecology and you know all doing it together in front of their lineup and it's still with dance music. So I think people, the audience that dances and that enjoy um, that kind of music is completely um, up for change as well. And, and is very receptive. We have this idea that electronic dance music is only at least sometimes in rainy island we had this idea <laughs> that it was only for drug druggy people and just like you know party people heavy density and actually no it's so wide that you have so many different people uh, experimenting that so people are open and artists are open and and festivals are open too so
0: yeah, to be honest, that's exactly where I was coming from. You know, I've been to, say, music festivals like Glastonbury, which may well be sponsored by Greenpeace and WaterAid. And, but I, I did wonder how much these messages are sinking through, frankly, from people that are intoxicated, like out of their heads. I mean, you and that also, you, that's the stigma that dance music has, unfortunately. Um, and I think you're right. There's a spectrum, not all people that like, electronic dance music, use drugs or whatever, but that is certainly the stigma. Um, so, yes, similar sort of question for you, Robin, how do you get EDM, electronic dance music, to engage with serious messages like climate? Yeah, I mean, just to, I think to echo what Dilo what said, the one thing is the, um, the space and,
1: and, and the place that people go to. So the venues, you know, if you go into a club and it's powered by, like, by solar panels, there's like no plastic, Already you're putting people in a context where you make it normal, right? You make it normal that it's powered by renewable energy, you make it normal that there's no plastic. And that subconsciously, I think being in that space for club goers, you know, it makes more and more people accept that this should be something normal. And when there is plastic, you're like, oh, that's that's bad. Like, where's the plastic in this club? Or, oh, wouldn't it be great if it was powered by renewable energy? So I think yeah. one way is the the space, if it's festivals or clubs or, or whatever, that the space is engaged and open and offering and showing the solutions and the alternatives. Um, and then the other thing for me is I think, you know, actually that the heart and soul of electronic music is community, right? It's it's diversity, it's community, it's freedom of expression. And these are values which are like crucial to the to climate, you know, to the climate movement.
0: How do you write a track in such a way that it, you know it's going to have impact. Um, is there any tips into, or any insights you can give about um, creating music um, that will drive a message? Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> I'll go first. <laughs> Tough question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think if, if you set out to create a track and you think this is going to be a protest attack and it's going to change the world, it doesn't work. I think what actually music is always an expression of something you feel or something you see in the world. And actually the, the tracks that resonate the most are the ones that are meaningful to you. And so I think often, you know, as, as musicians, we use music to reflect on something that's happening around us, you know, or something that we're feeling, or something that we've experienced. And so for me, the mo- the strongest tracks are the ones that are based in experience or feelings. So feeling, you know, frustration, anger, despair, anxiety about climate, and channeling that into a, a track um, is a way or equally being in an incredibly beautiful space of nature and seeing, wow, this is so inspiring. I want to make a piece of music inspired by this natural surroundings about the beauty of, of our planet. You know, So I think the, the, the best, the most inspiring songs are often come from a feeling or, or, or an experience and, and maybe they don't have lyrics and they have a certain aesthetic to them but when when the track is released and that you you can put the context to it or There's this video stuff that goes with it you know people understand where this track comes from what the context is what it means um, and often in electronic music that's the case you know you have a certain feeling but it's not until you read the context of the track that you're like oh okay you know these sounds are made from like melting ice which is the case in in, in the climate soundtrack and it gives people this other level of like wow that's super inspiring you know it's not just great music there's also great music with something behind it
2: yeah i and like robin said i think one thing that is really important that is where when when you are an artist that is engaged and wants your music and your art in general to have an impact is it it is important to explain the process to people as well taking the time uh, not only to do music and, and having people receiving that music and listening to it, but also digging and explaining the background of of your work and what you've done, what was your intention.
0: So what sort of impact has the COVID-19 pandemic had on your music and getting your music out and heard?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky in the sense that it gave us all a lot of time (laughs) to focus on projects and we wouldn't have had so much time, you know. Um, so these days climate action over the past, yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, we worked on this project called the Climate Soundtrack, which was all done at distance. So it was, you know, taking samples from Greenpeace's audio library of the natural world. So, you know, like creaking ice or the sounds of the rainforest or, or rain or, you know, a bunch of different sounds and giving them to producers to make a piece of music. Um, so we made a basically a sample kit of sounds made it for free and just asked producers and art, and artists and musicians to make a piece of music using these samples and imagining the the future um and so that you know that kind of project for something like a pandemic where everybody's at home looking for inspiration unable to to play gigs in the studios then spending a lot of time was was perfect and it gave us you know we got uh, i think it I think it's under 350 tracks submitted from all over the world from artists. So I think, uh, you know, in, in that time, and then we had the time to do a crowdfunding and it's going to be released on vinyl, et cetera. But the, the timing was actually perfect for that kind of project to get, take a step back, to think about this and to, to engage people making music and who weren't able to, to play music. So that definitely for us as DJs for Climate Action, it was a positive during this period despite yeah. many negatives.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. And Dilo, have, how have you found the pandemic and getting your music out?
2: I found like, yeah, something weird happened. So, my, um, okay, I used to play jazz before and so on. And then I, I, I decided to launch this project called Eat My Butterfly and it's like electronic-ish music. And, uh, and it started right before, it started in 2019. So it was very new. But um, the pandemic, I found that it, it forced people to ask themselves the right questions, because they had so much time, at least in my surrounding, in my little surrounding of Rain and Island and France. And uh, people were more looking for um, I don't know how to say, but essential things, and even in the sounds, in the music they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear something more connected to, I don't know, something more connected to themselves maybe. And I had a lot of really great opportunities to collaborate with people that I thought I could never reach. I had a lot of uh, nice opportunities. I also had the time to discover many more artists, you know, and and even if it was hard for everyone, um, if this time was really a hard, and it's still a really tough period for musicians. <clears throat> I found that people were more into exchanging with one another. The communication was, was more present. Even for my friends, always touring, I could have them on the phone because they were home and they were not jet lagged, you know. So, yeah, the pandemic really gave us um, this opportunity of connecting all together.
0: If you could pick one, what, in your view, is the most powerful song or track um, for driving change?
1: Yeah, this is also a very difficult question to ask <laughs> <laughs> musicians and DJs to choose one yeah. track. I think, I mean, I, I thought about this a little bit and I chose a track which isn't about climate, but for me kind of represents and sums up what we're trying to do and the role that music can play. So the, the track I choose is was from Brazil. It's by Caetano Veloso. Um, it's called Alegria, and this track was written during the dictatorship in Brazil.
0: And Caetano
1: Veloso, you know, he went into exile and he's one of he was one of the big you know, the biggest musicians at the time um, from the Tropicalia movement. And the track is all about freedom. And so you listen to it. And if you don't know the context, it's a really beautiful, happy track. And then you listen to the lyrics and it's about uh, freedom. And and the idea behind it was to drive young people to, you know, kind of resist and, and rise up and try to push the dictatorship out. And, you know, it's poetic, it's beautiful. And there's a message behind it. Same question for you,
0: Dilo.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, super tough question, but um, well, I really enjoy listening to Maloya music. Maloya music is a traditional genre of music from Rain and Island, and uh, a lot of um, Maloya music talks about earth and harvesting, and also the denunciation of um, of the system and the economy that we live in. And uh, yeah, a track that I really, really, really like is a track from a guy called Jean Marie Barret. And uh, this track is called Belle
0: Belle en l'air. <inaudible>
2: And in general to me the tracks that inspire me uh, say a change or something related to the world we live in are tracks with bird sounds and and nature sounds. Lyrics are great and they're always touching me, but when I hear in my headphones the sounds of the sea, of the rainforest, or the birds, there's nothing like it, you know, it's really cool. There's this guy called El Buo, <laughs> he did this track called Aguas Claras, and I, I listened to it so many times just because of the sounds of nature.
0: Well, thanks so much, guys. One last question I'd love to ask you is um, how hopeful are you um, for the future? It's tough sometimes to stay hopeful. I'm sure we all feel the same thing, but
1: also because often we only ever read the terrible news. <laughs> and I think, you know, sometimes it's about finding the inspiration locally and around you and being engaged in in things which are hopeful and inspiring makes you feel more hopeful. I think, you know, we really don't have much of a choice either you kind of give up and you know jump off a very tall building and say well humanity is doomed or you you focus on what you can do in your surroundings and have hope in in humanity and in in, in driving change and I don't feel like giving up you know so I think music has a, a has always had a role to play in driving change whether it's social change or environmental change and I think now more than ever, ever you know we need hope the hopeful soundtrack for like <laughs> saving humanity so more and more musicians are getting on board and getting involved and more and more people want you know and expect their their musicians to, to kind of play that role so i think you have to stay hopeful and music often is a way to inspire and, and to give people hope and joy in moments of, of despair and, and destructions
2: i think as Robin said, music is a great tool uh, for staying hopeful. It's also a great tool to, you know, uh, do actions together and unite people and making projects and collaborations and and meetings all together. So, yeah, I think, yes, the world is changing, but nature will survive always. We might not as as humans, (laughs) but uh, the important thing is to be aware and, Change is is slow, but it's definitely happening. I see it like every day. And I think it is important to not focus only on the negative, even though there's a lot of negative happening. There's also a lot of positive and a lot of great people making great projects everywhere. And it's just about giving energy where, where things deserve it and where it's worth it.
0: Great place to leave it. Um, Robin, D'Lo, thank you so much for joining the Eco Business podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This podcast was hosted by Eco Business, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media, or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.